and pops is my dad Frank Beccarello. Thanks sweetie and thank you for tuning in to episode 145 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. One of the unique aspects of my dad's collection is how many historically significant records he has in it. In this episode we feature an example of this. This comedian and this album were the first to win a Grammy Award for Best Comedy Performance Spoken when the Academy first introduced that category in 1959. So, get ready for a man on a stool who often pretended he was on the phone in Volume 145, Inside Shelley Berman. I discovered this afternoon why... I don't like buttermilk. Now, I'm going to get into that because, first of all, I'm not the kind of a guy who forms a snap judgment about some white, innocent fluid. And, again, it seems to me that people who who do like buttermilk love buttermilk beyond anything in existence. They have a thing over buttermilk, which I won't go into detail about. It's a little, uh, a little pornographic. Um. <laughs> I have seen people drinking buttermilk in a way that makes me feel that I, I just shouldn't be watching. So, um, So naturally, I, you know, I thought about this for a couple of years, and you can imagine how desperate a man has to be to think about buttermilk, you know, for a, for a prolonged period. Anything over 10 minutes has got to be paranoid, you know. Anyway, this afternoon, for some inexplicable reason, I saw the light. I had, I had a revelation. I, I'll tell you what I had. I had, I had a sartori. That's for those of you who believe in Zen. And, um... <laughs> I have a feeling the room is loaded with Zen people tonight. I'll, I'll tell you what Zen is. Zen, Zen is a kind of philosophical, uh, metaphysical thought thing. You have it so far? Uh, it's a, a kind of offshoot of Buddhism in which through concentration, you arrive at certain levels of existence, and you are capable of answering certain very tricky questions. One of the questions is this. You know the sound of two hands clapping, but what is the sound of one hand clapping? <laughs> well, I, I know that sound. I. Uh... I've heard it frequently enough, God knows, and I'm uh, not going to dwell on it because I'll cry, and a comedian, you know, should be jolly. 
Anyway, I was telling you about buttermilk, why I don't like it. I just, I found out today and I'm going to tell it to you. It is not the buttermilk that bothers me. It's the way the glass looks when you're through drinking it that makes me sick. That ugly white map inside of that glass. Two more seconds and I'll throw up. I know it. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this catharsis. It, um, it was something I had to get off my chest. I'm glad you were here to hear it. Now, because you were kind, before going into our next uh, thing, before, I will reward you. I will reward you all with a little game. This is a little game that you can play with yourselves. That is, of course, if you're inclined to do that sort of thing. <laughs> The game is called Nostalgics. There are, uh, there are words or groups of words, the mention of which or the seeing of them in print recalls for me an area of my existence which has been sweet and warm and quietly thrilling, like like returning to the womb. And let's face it, we all want to go back, you know. <laughs> How many of us sleep in a fetal position? You know, let's fess up. <laughs> anyway, I want to get off the subject because it is, it is disgusting and uh, I'd like to I'll tell you about uh, uh, nostalgia. Here's a few examples. For example, the word, the word skate key sets me into a frenzy of remembering. Or the phrase, I will trade you a Batman for a Captain Marvel. <laughs> Which, of course, appeals only to the intellectuals. Uh, but let's, um, let's see what this does for you. Go directly to jail. Do not pass go. Do not It gets you where you live, huh? huh? Eat gods, I have boardwalk and park place. <laughs> it's, you know, it's that surge of thrill you get when you know you've wiped out a friend. That's the... <laughs> it's, it's Shelley Berman with his routine, Buttermilk, Zen, Nostalgia. Okay, why this record for this episode? Well, I remember when I was young and we'd sit around a friend's basement listening to George Carlin, Richard Pryor, and especially Cheech and Chong on record. And then later, Eddie Murphy and Robin Williams. So it was inevitable that my dad also listened to comedians from his generation on records, especially since this record is among the first in that category. This episode of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl features the pioneer of that genre, the act of putting your act on record. It became highly popular for the comedians to do so and highly profitable 
for the record companies. Now, because we'll have one fewer break in this episode due to the length of some of these bits, let me tell you about my dad's vinyl I have chosen for this episode. Shelly Berman, Inside Shelly Berman, on the Verve Records label, number MGV15003. It's the Celebrity Series. It's a vinyl LP album, mono format, released in 1959. Its genre is non-music, and its style is comedy. Now, we will hear four of the six tracks on this album, with one of them cut into two parts. Now, two people wrote liner notes, and that fills the back cover. The right side was written by Mort Saul, another groundbreaking comedian. <laughs> We're not going to read any of his. Instead, I'll pick out a couple of paragraphs from Irving Cupsonet, or Cup, of the Chicago Sun-Times. Shelley Berman's flawless feeling for timing and the correct tone of voice make his monologues skillful, while his sensitive awareness for the details of life and his hilarious accuracy in relating them make his monologues unique. Television audiences have been regaled with the Berman humor ever since he made his TV debut on The Jack Parr Show. Steve Allen saw the Parr appearance and immediately booked Shelley on his Sunday night show. Guest shots on the Ed Sullivan, George Goebel, and Rosemary Clooney shows have followed, along with two appearances on Chelsea at Nine in London, Britain's biggest TV show. This album is a recording of Shelley Berman actually doing one of his nightclub acts. It's a new idea in records, just as Shelley is comparatively new in cafes. On my beat, there are egghead comedians, sick comedians, the comedian's comedian, and even some very unfunny comedians. Shelley Berman may best be described as the cerebral comedian of the USA. See for yourself. Take Inside Shelley Berman home. Put the record on your gramophone. Turn the lights down low and there you are. Do-it-yourself nightclub with guaranteed laughs. Okay, let's see what prices this record is being sold at on Discogs.com. $9.99 for the highest, $0.79 cents for the lowest, for a $2.22 average and $1.50 median. It was last sold on that website on July 18th. 2023 for that $0.79 low. I found a copy on eBay for $11 and one on Amazon for $2.50. Now, my dad's record is in fair condition. There is a little crackle, which is more prominent on spoken word albums, and especially at the needle drop point. The record surface is actually pretty clean. The cover, on the other hand, is in Poor condition. So poor that he has his famous black electrical tape holding the top and back spines together, and he probably should have put a piece on the bottom as well as the record is starting to slip through it. He does not have his address label on the front, but he does have that word posted on the back. So I think I will value my dad's vinyl at 75 cents. Now we're going to start a 14-minute bit, but we'll cut it in two. And I know many of us feel this way about this next subject. About a month ago, or maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it was uh, two months ago. It could very easily have been last week, actually. Yesterday. Uh, it was. Uh, it was a day in which I did absolutely nothing. I 
Not a thing. If anybody asked me what I was doing, I would have said creating, which is a hell of an easy out. And uh, I was just recalling things, having a sort of an eclectic experience. Anything that fell into my head, I dealt with it for a few minutes and then threw it away. And I was recalling a radio show or a television show, which I had seen or heard, I'm not sure which. And on this show, there was a child psychologist and he was answering questions which had been submitted by mail from worried, distraught, harried, frightened, hysterical, and insane parents. You know the degrees to which they get. And one of the questions which had been submitted was from a mother who was very concerned about her, her very young daughter whom she claimed was taking things which didn't belong to her and she, she wanted to know what was wrong with her. Well, the child psychologist's diagnosis was that the kid was a thief. And he said, um, he said, don't worry about it, you know. <laughs> it wasn't his kid. And I said, um, <clears throat> he said, two things will happen. Either she'll grow out of it or she'll become more proficient. So one way or the other, you know, she will have to benefit, be too concerned. He said, don't discourage the little crook because you'll give her a trauma and she will grow up unable to adjust herself to society and uh, all sorts of problems, and, you know. And, and so he said, you know, if, you, if the girl cheats, let her cheat, ignore it. And then he spoke out in a rather peculiar fashion about lying. As I recall, he said something to this effect. I know many liars doing very well these days, <laughs> making out airline schedules. And... Um, <laughs> I got to thinking about that because I, I fly an awful lot. You know, I'm a performer and we're always hopping around the country. And you know, uh, we're at the mercy of these people because we need them so much. And you know how airlines are always bragging about their safety records. You know, flying is the safest way to fly. Uh, or um, <laughs> what they actually say is this. Uh, statistics prove that flying is the safest way to travel. I don't know how much consideration they've given to walking. Uh, however, there are the propaganda efforts on the part of the commercial airlines is terribly, terribly convincing so that I, frankly, haven't the slightest doubts whatsoever about my safety in a plane until I walk into an airport terminal. And I realize that there's a thriving industry in this building selling life insurance policies, you see. <laughs> good for one flight, you know, which is very cautious. And, uh, and there are booths all over the place selling life insurance and slot machines dispensing life insurance. And, and the whole thing seems to convey this one message to me, that I may be confident about landing safely, but there's a serious doubt in somebody's mind as to whether I'm gonna make it, you see. And because I happen to be a little chicken to begin with, this, uh, this, this power of suggestion plants a seed of doubt, gives me a negative attitude toward the flight. Incidentally, if you do uh, buy one of these policies, for God's sakes, don't read it. Pay for it, sign it, send it off to somebody you want to worry, but if you read this, you'll never fly. <laughs> what it does on these policies, it itemizes very carefully everything that can happen to you in that plane. And there is one word which I think should be stricken from the English language immediately anyway. The word is maimed. It's a horrible, <laughs> horrible word. 
Injured conveys the point, but maimed. Sounds so permanent and ugly, you know. Well, this power of suggestion works progressively, you see. The first thing you do, for example, when you get into the plane, you strap yourself into the seat. Which, as far as I'm concerned, is another very ominous gesture, you know. You may stop there, but I take it a step further. I say to myself, well, I'm strapping myself into the seat. Because if I wasn't strapped into this seat, there's a very good chance that I will fall out of this seat, you see. See, if the plane came to a sudden stop, like against a mountain. I visualize myself flying right through the plane and right out through the front, you know, right through the area where the crew and the girls have their parties. And, uh... <laughs> that is what I find most terrifying of all, you know. And because I happen to be, as I say, a rather devout coward, I, I, I really strap myself into that seat, people, to a point, say, if I flew for over 20 minutes, I'd get gangrene. Well, I think to myself, with this little belt around me, if the plane stops quickly enough, perhaps only the top half of me will fly through the front of the plane. And the rest of me will remain seated where I am, <laughs> with my legs crossed. It's such a macabre picture. <laughs> Going further with this power of suggestion, you know the little slot behind the seat in front of you? And it contains all kinds of goodies, huh? free. Well, no matter how sophisticated I get, I immediately go rummaging in that slot in hopes of finding some new treasure, like an old sandwich, a uh, forgotten Erskine Caldwell novel. If anybody can forget an Erskine Caldwell novel. <laughs> Frankly, I don't know why that man is seeking success. He can have so much fun just sitting around thinking. Anyway, um... <laughs> What you usually come up with are the same old things, a little booklet that says it's fun to fly, and there are maps showing you where you're going, which is the optimistic point of view. And, <laughs> and then, of course, there are pictures throughout the book of people standing outside of the plane with Hawaiian lays around their necks, and they're waving in hysterical glee. They're awfully happy. But you don't know, these people have just landed. They're not waiting to take off. <laughs> And of course, there are pictures of movie stars waving at you, Will Rogers and Carol Lombard, and the whole thing you see. <laughs> the, the congregate sensation is one of stark terror, let's face it. Then, of course, there is one more item in this little slot, which I construe to be the most ominous item of all, in the form of a little innocent-looking white bag. <laughs> That's enough to finish me on the ground, you know. All they're saying is, you feel good now, but wait till we get you upstairs, brother. <laughs> of course, there are instructions on the bag in three different languages, French, Italian, and Hebrew. And uh, <laughs> all they're saying, freely translated, is in here, slob, and it's very obscene. There's part one of Flying. Okay, let's learn a little about this early comedian who decided to put his act on record. Sheldon Leonard Shelley Berman was born February 3, 1925. He was an American comedian, actor, writer, teacher, and lecturer. Berman began as a straight actor, receiving his training at the Goodman Theater in Chicago, performing in stock companies in and around Chicago and New York City. In the mid-1950s, he became a member of Chicago's Compass Players, which later evolved into 
the second city. While performing improvised sketches with Compass, Berman began to develop solo pieces, often employing an imaginary telephone to take the place of an onstage partner. In 1957, Berman was hired as a comedian at Mr. Kelly's in Chicago, which led to other nightclub bookings and a recording contract with Verve Records. His comedy albums earned him three gold records and his debut, the one you're listening to, Inside Shelley Berman, won the first Grammy Award for Best Comedy Performance Spoken. Berman appeared on numerous television specials and all of the major variety shows of the day. He also appeared in several TV shows from Bewitched and the Mary Tyler Moore Show to Friends and Night Court. His film career spanned from 1955 to 2008. From 2002 to 2009, Berman appeared as Larry David's aged father on Curb Your Enthusiasm, a role for which he received a 2008 Emmy Award nomination. For over 20 years, Berman was a lecturer, later lecturer emeritus, in humor writing in the Master of Professional Writing program at the University of Southern California. Berman died from Alzheimer's disease-related complications at his home in Bell Canyon, California, in the early morning of September 1, 2017. He was 92 years old, and a long and interesting life he had. Okay, let's finish up that long bit that opens the record. Now, pretty soon, pretty soon you're off the ground, but that's after that interminable wait on the ground when they try out each engine one at a time. <laughs> and you keep listening for a bad one, don't you? Huh? <laughs> and you hear one every time, huh? <laughs> and you don't know who to report it to. <laughs> and even if you did, you wouldn't say anything. What it boils down to is this, you'd rather die than make an ass of yourself. <laughs> Uh, pretty soon, then the plane has to roll, you see, to gain momentum to get up off the ground, and it rolls, doesn't it? And it rolls, and it rolls, and it rolls, and it rolls, and rolls, and rolls, and rolls, and you say, well, the hell with science tonight, it's not gonna make it tonight. <laughs> Stays on the ground, and pretty soon, thank goodness, you're swinging through space, right? And of course, if it's nighttime, naturally, your motors are on fire. You, uh, <laughs> look out of your window, and there are both the engines on your wing, joyously in flame. Happy Fourth of July. At this point, let us work a sort of a little moderate experiment. Everybody, for just a second, close your eyes and visualize a commercial airlines pilot. Have you got him? Isn't he handsome, huh? Clear blue eyes, ruddy complexion, a crooked smile but straight teeth. Hat at a jaunty angle. Few strands of gray, but nevertheless, he's young enough. Sure hands. It's the father image, people. Daddy is going to take me flying. That's the attitude you have. Now you're going through space. You're zooming through space. There's nothing down there, people. Not a damn thing but air. And you hear a little click over the up through the plane. You're aware that the public address system is on, and you hear something like this over the speaker. Um, uh, good evening. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is uh, your pilot, uh, Captain Holbrook. I, uh, I just want to welcome you all aboard uh, Flight 714 uh, nonstop to um, uh, 
Sangler, sir. We'll be cruising at an altitude of approximately, um... Oh, no. <laughs> 20,000 feet or so. Um, we uh, picked up a tailwind, so, of course, we'll be... <sighs> We'll be traveling approximately 350 miles per hour, and we should land 20 minutes ahead of schedule. Now, that scares the hell out of me, too, you know. I mean, we, we can land an hour ahead of schedule if he puts it down in Grand Canyon, you see. Uh... <laughs> the thing is, I want to get there late, but there, and I want to tell them that. Uh, before departing from this uh, subject, I just want to say just a few words about Stuart Eye. Uh, they have... <laughs> Stuart Eye is plural for stewardess. Uh... <laughs> I think there are many incongruities in the English language as far as plurals are concerned. For example, it seems to me that the plural for yo-yo should be yo-yai. Uh... <laughs> How about one sheriff, several sheriffim? Um, one goof, a group of geef. Uh, one Kleenex, several Kleenesses. One blouse, two blice. Two jack eye. Anyway, uh, Stuart Eye. Stuart and I have an inexorable smile which cannot be broken through. Well, they can't help that. They've been conditioned. They've gone to smile school. And all other expressions have been brainwashed out of them. They're, they're left with this. Care for a pillow? Miss, the, uh, the wing is on fire out there. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, really, take a look out there. The wing is a sheet of flame. Take a look. Coffee, tea, or milk? <laughs> we don't have time for coffee, tea, or milk. We're doomed. Well, then how about a martini? <laughs> a truly accomplished stewardess knows approximately 24 good English words. Um, hello? Fasten seat belt, please. Coffee, tea, or milk? And of course, the most beautiful line of all, both Miss Jones and myself have enjoyed having you on this flight. <laughs> I think now that we're going to depart from the plane. Let's all parachute down. Oh, there was one time I once met a stewardess who had a sense of humor. This is the truth. And I asked her, I said, how long will it be before we get to Los Angeles? And she said, I don't know, we've never made it. <laughs> Ha, <laughs> ha,
<laughs> How many of you can say you've experienced any part of that routine? There was the conclusion to flying. Okay, time now for this episode's interesting side note. And it has to do with how Berman's style became the style for an even more famous comedian. Or was he plagiarized? This allegation deals with a famous comedian you've heard on this show in the past. In a 2012 podcast interview with Mark Marin, Shelley Berman alleged that comedian Bob Newhart plagiarized his improvisational telephone routine style, describing its genesis and saying it was a, quote, very special technique that couldn't really be imitated. It could be stolen, and it was. I was coming to work at night, and a guy stopped his car, passed me by, and said, Hey, Shelley, there's a guy who stole your act. Unquote. When asked by Marin if it was done maliciously, Berman replied, Maliciously? He wouldn't do it maliciously. Nobody does that, but he did it to make a living, and he became a star. Unquote. When asked in interviews about the telephone issue, Newhart said, Shelley Berman did it before I did it. Mike Nichols and Elaine May did a version of it. There was a thing called Cohen on the Telephone, which was a very, very early recording by, Edi- by Edison Records of a guy on the phone. George Jessel had a radio show. At the end, he would call up his mother and tell her how the show had gone. As a kid growing up, I remember listening to him, and he would call his mother up and say, Mama, this is Georgie. He paused skillfully from the money. Now, we featured the comedy of Bob Newhart in episode 82 of this show, and he did a few of those phone bits, so you be the judge for yourself. Okay, here is one of those phone bits. Anyway, after a particularly terrible experience in New York in dealing with a department store... I wrote this particular piece of material. While the bit is rather extended, a little elaborate, I think you'll get the point I'm trying to make of the difficulty you may encounter in phoning a department store. Nichols Department Store. Uh, say, I... All right. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm... I'll, I, all right, okay, I'll wait. All right. Emergency, emergency, hang on there for just a second This is an emergency and I'll, I'll let you go in just a second uh, See, here's the thing, see, uh, you don't know me I, I work in the office building right across the street from your uh, 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 store And I was, uh, no, the uh, Southwest And I was uh, just sitting, I was looking out of my window And I noticed there's, there's a woman hanging from a window ledge on uh, your building About ten flights up And she's, uh, no, operator, you're missing the point I don't wish to speak to the woman No, I, uh, I just, you know, I, you know, I'd like somebody to go up there and, and pull her in well, I don't care uh, who, you know, how about you? You're over there. Uh, wh- what about yourself? I, oh, I, what time is your coffee break? <laughs> no, 
Well, I don't think she can wait till then. Uh, you know, who knows how long she'd been hanging there before I noticed her. I can see her from here, and her knuckles are very white. Uh, the woman's been hanging there for hours, obviously, and I'm afraid she'll slip, you know, before your break uh, comes. Well, I see. Well, do you think that department could help? Well, all right. Would you connect me, please? Thank you. Ah, uh, hello. A uh, complaint department. Uh, say, I, uh... uh you don't, uh, you don't uh, know me. I work in the office building right across the street from your store, and uh, no, the Southwest. And I was, uh, see, I was just sitting and looking out of my window, and no, pretty nice out. And I, uh, I noticed there's a, there's a woman uh, hanging from a window ledge on your store, about ten flights up. She's about to fall down unless we get uh, hello there. Hello, hello, oh, hello, madam. Listen, what happened to the man I was just talking to? Oh, well, put a cold towel behind his neck. That'll bring him out of it. It's my fault. I, I scared him. See, here's the thing. See, you don't know me. I work in the office building right across the street from your store, at Southwest. And I, um... And, uh, see, I was just uh, looking out of my window. And, no, it's pretty nice out. And I, uh... Uh... There's a woman hanging from a window ledge on your building. She's gonna fall down from there if we don't describe her what for. Well, man, you can't have any trouble finding her. She's hanging out of a window over there. Lady, I'm looking at the building right now. She's the only one hanging out of a window. Well, I hate to take the time. Well, okay, uh, 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 gray hair and uh, uh, she's uh, a little chunky and uh, uh, she's holding some packages between her legs and... Uh, <laughs> Well, I can't tell from here if your store label is on the packaging, madam. The woman's across the street. Well, what about the department on that floor? So just somebody open a window and pull her in. It's a simple... Th well, would you connect me, please? Thank you. <laughs> Hello, lingerie. Uh, listen, uh... <laughs> You don't uh, know me. I work in the office building right across the street from your store. And I was just sitting and looking out. Don't you want to know the corner, madam? Uh, it's the southwest. And uh, see, I was just sitting looking out of my window, and it's a lovely day. And I you know there's a woman. There's a woman hanging from a window ledge, and it looks to be on your floor. And I was just hoping that I don't know how she got out there, lady. I've been sitting here looking at your building. It's a lingerie. Maybe she tried on something and snapped out. I don't know. How it, She's gonna fall off unless we pull her in. I, I just talked to that department, madam. Well, okay. Hello, complaint department, it's me again. How are you feeling now, sir? Now, sir, you've got to get a hold of yourself and go up there and pull that poor woman in. And she's gonna fall down from there if we... All right, you go up there and out the fine, and I'll just talk to her through this window and cheer her on as you go up. Lady! Lady, right over here across the street. Now, a little to lower. To the right. Here. Hi. Fine. Thank you. Don't wave, madam. Don't wave. Hang on with both hands. Listen, I'm getting some help for you. The man will be there in a minute. He'll pull you in. Listen, I think it'll be easier for you to hang out if you let those packages go from between your legs. That's all right. You got new ones. Let them go. That's right. There they go. That's right. Oh, poor fellow. All right. Now, uh... Madam, madam, the umbrella over your arm. If you should slip, we don't know how much help this will be, but open it, it may slow your fall. No, 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 it's only bad luck of your inside, lady. Take a chance. There's the man. Uh, there, reach up, slowly. Leg, leg, other leg. That's it. Good, thank you very much. Hello, operator. Say, would you send somebody up to the 10th floor? The complaint department man is hanging from a window ledge out there. <laughs>
phoning a department store about a woman on the ledge. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. While never really knowing Shelley Berman's comedy material while I was growing up, my dad and I did share the love of laughter with many other comedians we would see on TV together in the 1970s. I, I know we watched a lot of Laugh-In together. My dad does have the companion album, outside Shelley Berman, which was recorded later that year, so we'll have an opportunity to hear more comedy from him at a later date. And to finish it out, you know how frustrating this last phone call type can be. Directed and dedicated to the parents in our audience. Hello. And... Hello? Oh, okay. Hello there. I'm fine, thank you. And how are you? Fine, fine. Thank you very much. Uh, is uh, is is your is your mother there? I'm fine, thank you. Fine, fine. Uh, is uh, is 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 your is your mommy home? I'm fine, sweetheart. Fine. <laughs> Fine. Listen, honey, listen, where is your mommy? <laughs> oh, well, tell her when she's through, I'd like to talk to her, please. <laughs> you don't have to tell me what, dear. That's all right, sweetheart. I'm fine. Listen what, are, listen, what are you, a little boy or a little girl? <laughs> oh, well, why don't you ask your mommy? She'll tell you. <laughs> I'm fine. Listen, sweetheart. Go call mommy to the telephone, honey. Oh, and listen, honey, listen, don't put the telephone on the hook now, baby. Put it on the table, sweetheart, because if you put it on the hook, you... <laughs> Hello there. I'm fine, thank you, fine. Listen, you hung up on me, <laughs> you little. Now, see there, see... See, I told you to put the telephone on the table and you put it on the hook. <laughs> no, honey, you see what happened? See, I... Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> now, listen, kid. Now, don't put the telephone down, you understand me? You hold the telephone in your hand, you hear what I'm saying to you? In your fat little claw, you hold the phone. Now, I'm warning you now, if you put that telephone down, lightning will strike you, and you'll die. I'm God. I'm fine, thank you, fine. Now stand still and scream, Mommy. What are you crying for? I didn't scare you. I can't help it if I'm God. Call your Mommy. Hello, Mommy. Mars. It's me, Sid. I'm fine, thank you. I'm not screaming. Seems to me your household has a morbid interest in my health. Your kid acts like the beneficiary of my insurance policy. 
Do, do me a favor and tell my nephew he's a boy, will you? He doesn't know. He doesn't know. I asked him before, he didn't know what the hell I was talking about. What do you mean he's a baby? Now is when he should know. Now, during his formative years. Don't wait till he grows up and makes an arbitrary decision. <laughs> There's that annoying phone call with a small child. And there you have selections from the first comedy record to ever win a Grammy. So thanks for tuning into Volume 145, Inside Shelley Berman, however you did. If you want more information about this show, head over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops for Volume 146, Operation Jazz. Until then, go with the flow, my friends.